Good morning. Yeah, there's a sense in which we need to live with our shoes off, and I think we'll see that uh, this morning. Um, I've been in uh, different cultures where uh, it's common to take your shoes off. When you go into a home, uh, you take your shoes off, and when you go into a, a worship center, into a, into a building, you, everybody just comes and there's this big pile of shoes and you walk in. And it's a cool experience to walk into a sanctuary and just take your shoes off because as you enter, you enter with a greater sense of reverence because it's a sign of honor. You're honoring the, the owner of that house. And, and today we honor the owner of this place, the owner of our lives together. Let's begin with prayer today. Lord, we come with um, literally our shoes off, but um, my desire is personally for me and for all of us that we come with our, our shoes off in our heart and, and we come with a posture of, of Joshua in this passage of, of kneeling before you, of worshiping and, and honoring you as our God. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us through this passage. Um, my desire this day, Lord, is to be invisible. I, my prayer is that uh, we will see you today, that we will, uh, we will see your Son in all his glory. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word, through your spirit. We pray this together in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, uh, decades ago, I don't know how many, three maybe, <laughs> uh, I had a, uh, a simple, holy moment with God. And you might, after you hear it, you might let go, well, that wasn't really that spectacular. But I'll explain it a little bit, at least mention it later. And I think we all have these kind of moments, those of us that walk with Jesus. I was... I walked out of my parents' house and because and, uh, we were staying there and got in my car and I turned on the radio and uh, before I drove away, a song came on. I'd never heard the song before. And the song began with these words. This is my heart's cry. And in my mind, I finished the phrase. Be fruitful. This is how I finished the phrase. But that is not how the artist Stephen Curtis Chapman completed that phrase. He completed it in a much more biblical way. This is my heart's cry, that I may know the one who saved me and gave his life for me. That I may know him. And my, my mind rushed to Philippians chapter 3, where, where Paul said, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the Spirit just confronted me, Mike, fruit's good, but I want to have an intimate walk with you. I want you to know me. And it just was a beautiful, simple moment. And actually, I've carried it with me, and God reminds me constantly, it's not about what I do. It's about who I know. 
Uh, this passage points us to that idea. Um, and it is an encounter that Joshua has with the living God. Uh, there's a big context to this. I'm going to run through it quickly because we're starting in chapter 5 of Joshua. It's in page 181, those of you that are following in, your, in the Bible that's in front of you. Joshua chapter 5, the last three verses, verses uh, 13 to 15. And uh, in uh, chapter 1 of Joshua, just a few pages back, um, we see a little bit of the context. You see, uh, the people of Israel had been to this place before, this place where Joshua is, staring at the promised land. How did they get there? Well, they were slaves. For over 400 years, they were slaves as God's people in Egypt. But God miraculously freed them. He brought plagues to, to, uh, to free the people of Israel. The last plague was the plague of, of death, the angel of death passing over the city and killing the firstborn. It was an awful, awful plague. And yet the people of Israel put blood on their doorpost of a lamb that they slaughtered. It was pointing to Jesus, the lamb of God that would take away the sins of the earth. And they did this and they were protected. Everyone who sacrificed that lamb was protected and placed it on their doorpost. And the people of God walked out free, in direction of the promised land. And as they're going, the army of Egypt comes after them. And we know this story, probably everyone in the room knows this story. They came to that sea, and God opened up that sea, and they walked through on dry ground. Amazing! God does these amazing things, and they come to the promised land, and they're ready to go in, and they send out spies. 12 spies, and they send them on, and, and 10 of them come back, and they say, there's giants in the land. And we feel like grasshoppers, and they were filled with fear. But two guys, Joshua, the guy we're looking at today, and Caleb, they had faith. They said, God is going to give it to us. Do not fear. He is with us. They were filled with faith. But as we know, the people sided with the ten. And then they had to wander in the desert for 40 years. Wandering in the desert. And God took care of them. Their sandals didn't wear out. And they, uh, they had manna that came down from heaven. And after 40 years, finally, it's a chance for a do-over. For a second chance. And that's what the book of Joshua is about. It's another chance from a gracious God a redeemer of his people. And so in, in chapter 1, we see that, uh, look, look, look with me in verse, verse 5, uh, God says to, to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. In the same way that I was with Moses, who led my people here the first time, I will be with you. And then God progressively brings Joshua and the people of God through the similar process that, that they did the first time. They send out spies. This time, the spies come back and they give a good report. We can take the land. It is filled 
with fruit and, and, and honey. Don't fear. Yahweh, God is with us. He will give it to us. A positive report. The, police, the people believe, they have faith that they can do it this time. They come with the Ark of the Covenant, just like the first time before them. God is before them, they're declaring, as the Ark is in front of them. And then they come to the Jordan River. And what does God do? Look at it in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people... As soon as these bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows, overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. End of verse 16, and the people passed to the opposite side of Jericho. God walled up the water just like he did the first time and the people walked across the Jordan River. God is repeating the story again. I'm giving you another chance and certainly everybody was getting this. He's doing it again. And Joshua was, was commanded to lead the people. In, the, in chapter 5 in verse 10, just right before our text, chapter 5 of Joshua, verse 10, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. I love this. Right before they're going to enter, they celebrate the Passover. And I'm a little spoiler alert, but Joshua is about to meet the Lamb of God. He's about to meet him face to face. And they are celebrating the Passover right before it's happened. God is amazing. The things he does is so beautiful. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. No more manna. They're now eating the grapes. They're now eating the olives. They're eating the fruit of the land. They're about to go in. But they have to go in, and they have to take it. And our text begins like this. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Begins with Joshua standing on the plain of Jericho, looking at the fortified city of Jericho. It's crunch time. It's about to happen. What do you think was in his heart? He was a man of faith. I know there was a lot of faith in his heart, but there had to be fear as well. And so God meets him. God shows up and meets him. Before we look at that, just a quick second to think about the things that we're going through. Joshua is facing the greatest challenge of his life by far. This is it. This is what he was made for. And it's right in front of him, a fortified city. What are you looking at? What are you facing? Financial pressure. Relationship problems. Work problems. Illness. 
questions, doubts, fears, distress, anxiety. What are you dealing with? If you're a Christ follower, God has a message for all of us today from this text. All of us. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. Wow! He's expecting to stand here and look at Jericho, and all of a sudden there's a guy here with a sword in his hand. And he asks a good question. The perfect question. Joshua went to him, he walked in direction of the man, and he said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? That's a good question. Are you with us or against us? I see this guy, he's got his sword drawn. Am I in trouble? Am I about to take on a fight? What is happening here? And the response of this man is unique, to say the least. He says, no. The NIV has it translated, neither. I'm neither for you or for your adversaries. As we go through the text, we'll see there's a great sense in which he is for Joshua, he is for the people of Israel, but primarily, he's not. He is for himself, for his honor, for his glory. It is about him. And as we go through, we'll see that. I I love the answer, though. No. And then he says who he is. He says, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Really? Well, who's that? Who's the commander of the army of the Lord? And did I know that God had an army? I, apparently he does. In fact, the Bible talks about it. We call it the angelic host, Right? Joshua was the commander of the people of Israel. God had commissioned him for this. But this man is the commander of the army of the Lord. What does Joshua do when he hears this? He says, now I have come, the commander of the army of the Lord says. And we'll come back to that. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. Wow! He fell on his face and worshipped. And the commander of the army of the Lord does not say, get up, for I am just a man. That's what Paul did when people bowed to worship him. He said, no, stand up. That's what angels do in the Bible when people bow down to worship them. They say, no, stand up. I'm not God. But this man does not say that. In fact, he keeps the story going. And and Joshua said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the army army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. Wow. Joshua is before the living God in the form of a man. Have you ever heard of this? God is. In human flesh, he has a name. His name is Jesus. Joshua is standing before God in visible form. 
unbelievable. Right here in the Old Testament. It's crazy. And it brings us back, obviously, to the story of, of Moses and the burning bush, where this man is called the angel of the Lord who appears to him in a burning bush. And it says, and God spoke to him from the bush and said, take your shoes off, take your sandals off for the place where you're standing is holy ground. The angel of the Lord was God who spoke from the burning bush, Exodus chapter 3. And here God is doing it again. Just as I was with Moses, I am with you. And so Jesus himself comes and meets Joshua there at the door of the promised land, there at the gates of Jericho. I love this text. That's why Andrew got so excited <laughs> on this as we talked about it on Wednesday morning. What an amazing text. When we are in the middle of challenges, difficulties, when we're battling our own sin and we feel like we're losing, we're not alone. And so, the commander of the Lord declares himself, Jesus declares himself, and then he says, now I have come. Now I have come. Joshua, you have a huge task in front of you, and you cannot do it alone. But I am here, the commander of the army of the Lord, and I'm with the heavenly host here it's okay. It's okay. We're going to do this because I'm here. I'm here. Bow down and worship me. And he does. Clint and Christina are way in the back. Right? God has not given you an easy task. There are callings and there are callings. And yours is not an easy one. You know that. Christina, you said it well. It's going to be difficult. It's difficult to move to another country. But to go to a country in North Africa that is resistant to the gospel, build relationships, be marathoners and building relationships and development and, building and uh, loving people over time, it's going to be radically different from this life. God has not given you an easy call. But he's with you. He says to you, now I have come. Now I have come. I'm here. You're not going alone. I remember my first months in Brazil uh, learning language and be, feeling like a two-year-old and I just started in Genesis, I just started reading my Bible, just reading and reading, and I would spend time on the floor reading, laying on the floor, on my knees before the Lord, and just praying, and Lord, help me, help me, help me. And it was all so difficult. But it wasn't Senegal. It was Brazil. It was a little easier. Well, it was a lot easier. it's a lot easier, honestly. But he called you for a reason. He knows exactly the purpose that he has for you. He knows all the people that you're going to meet. He has chosen people among the Senegalese people. Many chosen people. 
and he's going to direct you as you trust in him to those people. I know it will be difficult, but I also know it's going to be absolutely incredible as you trust in him. People worry about us missionaries like, oh, they're just suffering all the time. Well, there are difficulties, but it is unbelievable. When God calls us and we follow him, you would not believe the delight. As you hold on to him, he will bring you through and you will have amazing experiences, all for his glory, but for your joy as well. This passage is not for Clinton Christina alone. It's for every single one of us in this church. Whatever you're facing, could be something small, could be something big that is keeping you up at night, night after night. It could be deep, deep pain. Whatever it is, the commander of the army of the Lord, Jesus Christ, comes to you and says, now I have come. I'm here. I'm here with you. We're going to go through this together, whatever it is. Let's look. We're going to come back to that a little bit uh, later, but let's just look at Joshua's response. When the commander of the army of the Lord declares himself and says that he has come, Joshua falls on his face to the earth and worships. I love that. I love that. Do you want to experience the presence of the Lord in your life? It comes through, it comes through an, a posture of worship where you daily, morning, afternoon, moment by moment, you surrender yourself before him. You trust in him. You walk with him. This is the posture that Joshua took, and it is the right posture. Humble worship to recognize the greatness of Jesus and how small we really are. That's what humble worship is, isn't it? Is recognizing how unbelievable our God is and how small and weak and sinful we are on our own. Our knees is where we should be. Uh, I, have a, I have a group that I love. They're called United Pursuit. They have a song. It's just a simple song. It says, take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again. I love that song. Just to live with that idea of God is great. He is all-powerful. The victory comes from, from Christ. Not through me. I cannot bear fruit on my own. Mine is to surrender day by day, moment after moment. As I fight the battles of life, as I fight against my sin, the Apostle James said this, he said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
That's how we fight the battle. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's not through resisting. It's through submission that we can resist. Are you in a battle with sin? We all are, actually. Day after day, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. But we can have victory as we submit to him and resist the devil day after day. Humble worship. A few of you have heard me say this before. I, I, I uh, bought a book once called Life as Worship because I thought, wow, I want to read that. The book wasn't very good. <laughs> but the title was amazing. <laughs> and, and I want that. I want my life to be a life of worship where God is who he is and I know that and I am who I am. Life as worship. I want to do that every day. I want to do it in the morning, in the late morning, in the early afternoon, the late afternoon. But it's so hard, isn't it? It's hard to live a life of surrender because I just get on autopilot. Don't we all? We get on autopilot. We go through the motions and we do our stuff and then, oh, I'm a child of God. I forgot. Oh, sorry. And... We, and we keep going, and God is gracious, and he understands that. But he wants us to live lives of worship. Secondly, he asked God a question. He said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? It is a humble desire to hear from Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? What do you want your what does my Lord say to my servant? I had a season in life, um, it was a difficult season, um, a very difficult season, and, and I was in a search for intimacy with Jesus. I just wanted to know him better. And uh, in seminary, one of my professors had said that physical posture can help in your prayer life and in your walk with Jesus. And so I decided for that season to get up in the morning and to lay on the couch and put my head on a pillow as if I was putting my head on the lap of Jesus and to have a conversation. It was just a season where I just made this a practice. Before I opened my Bible, because I love the Bible and I just tend to run right to it and skip that there's this God that actually wrote the thing. And so I, I just did this. I just put my head on the pillow and... Uh, and tried to listen and have a conversation. It was actually very, very difficult. But during that season, God put in my heart a burden to mentor, to mentor young men. And it was growing. It was a strong sense. And uh, I got a call one day from a German missionary that I work with named Johannes, a part of the Brazilian uh, Evangelical Free Church. And he said, Mike, we got a guy, a young guy named Frido. He's in Western Brazil. He doesn't have a lot of leaders around him, but we see a lot of potential in him. We'd like to ask you to consider praying about mentoring him. And I'd never done anything like this in my life. And I said, Johannes, I've already prayed about it, and you can send him. <laughs> and he said, what? I said, no, God has put this on my heart. As I, I'm ready. You can send him. He's like, okay. <laughs> so he sent Frito to uh, across the country, and this young guy shows up in an orange polo shirt. I remember the day I picked him up at the bus station. And, 
I poured my life into him. And over time, we became friends. And then we became best friends. And we just walked together. I thought I was going to minister to a young man, and I find out that God was ministering to me at the same time. And I just love him, love him so much. And uh, God does those kinds of things. I have two questions on my prayer list now. I've added a few months ago. I told Garth this a little bit ago. But uh, two questions. The first one is, Lord, what do you have to say to me today? What do you want me to know today? And the second question is similar. Lord, what do you want me to know about myself? I've been focusing on, on my identity in Christ, who I am in Christ. And I just ask those questions and listen. And I don't feel like my hearing's very good, but I'm trying. And uh, so I love that Joshua asks this commander a question. What do you want me to do? And I'm amazed by the response. Because in the beginning of chapter 6, God is going to give very specific instructions to, to uh, Joshua. Crazy instructions. March around the city and blow a trumpet, you know. It's crazy. But that's not the first instruction. The first instruction is, and the commander of the army of the Lord said to Joshua, take off your sandals. I love that. The first thing, the priority is honoring the commander of the army of the Lord. The first thing is worship. It's humility before him. We all need that. That's our starting point. That's our starting point. Before bearing fruit, before doing things for Jesus, before our marching orders, our number one priority is Jesus himself. And so we bow in surrender before him. Humble worship, humble desire to hear from Jesus, and then the last four words, and Joshua did so. He took off his sandals. That is a, it's a humble posture that he took before the Lord. I want to say this uh, before I talk to us as a church. Um, if you've never surrendered to this commander, you can do that right now. You can do that right now. You can surrender to him. Place your life in his hands. I know it's scary, but trust him. He's unbelievable. He's not going to take away all your problems. Jericho did not disappear, and all those nations and fortified cities did not disappear. He had to go and lead the army into the battle. But God will be with you. Jesus will be with you through all of it, and he will transform you bit by bit. You can trust him. Place your life in his hands. You can do that today. For those of us that are following Jesus today, as a church, we're about to step into uh, a campaign, a financial campaign, all right, to, to, for building. And there's probably a lot of people that are nervous about that. 
It seems that God has led us here. It's in one sense our Jericho as a church right now. Let's trust him together. Let's not fight about it. I don't, I've never heard of anything about fighting on it, but let's not. Let's stay unified in this. Uh, and let's trust him together and just see where he takes us in this whole thing. He is God, he's in control, and we can trust him. And now all of us as individuals, I just want to tell you some really, really good news. So God, back in the time of Moses and Joshua, God was with Moses, and then he was with Joshua, and they heard from God, and God did amazing things through them, and the people followed It's different now. Since the crucifixion and the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, God is with all of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is, as Andrew said, this building is not holy ground, but under your feet is. Under my feet is holy ground. And when we walk out, the holy ground goes with us. Right? Every step we take out of this building and every step this week that we take is holy ground. Why? Because Christ is in you, the hope of glory, uh, Paul said. The Holy Spirit is inside of you, helping you. Why? He's helping us because we're weak, Romans 8, 26 says. We're weak, and so he helps us. Isn't that amazing? God is in us, and because we are united with Christ, because the Holy Spirit is in us, we are united with the Father as well. The Trinity is with us at all times. Can we celebrate that? That is unbelievable. Whatever we're going through, God is with us. It might be scary, it might be painful, but we are not alone. Today is a day to worship. Today is a day to humble ourselves. But today is also a day to celebrate. To celebrate that our God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? You're not alone. Jesus is with you. Hold on to him. Trust him. Surrender to him. Walk in humility. Walk in him. And let him do his work through you. Let's thank him and praise him together. Lord Jesus, we just are amazed at you. We are humbled that you have called us to be your sons and daughters. And together this morning, we worship you. We worship you for who you are. You are great. You are awesome. You are powerful. You are a God who can lead that band of faithless people in to take a promised land, fortified city after after fortified city. But you can do so much more. We thank you that you are with us, that you are our God, and that we can listen and hear from you and have a relationship with you. So we worship you and we surrender to you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us walk with you today and tomorrow and Tuesday and every day. We ask for your help in all the things that we're facing. 
And in all of this, we will give you glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.